things that I, I want to share with you this morning regarding praying more effectively. Two more keys. And here's the first. Uh, we pray more effectively when we walk in obedience to God's commands. First thing I want you to understand is that we pray more effectively when we walk in obedience to God's commands. And, and, and look at this scripture with me. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It's powerful and it's effective, the prayer of a righteous man. Proverbs 15.29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears, the, the inclination here is that he hears and answers the prayers of the righteous. The prayers of the righteous. And so I want you to see this with me this morning. This Christianity thing uh, is not a religion. Okay, this Christianity thing is not a religion, though many people claim that that's the case. Christianity is actually not a religion. It is about a relationship with God. And more specifically, Christianity is about living in a love-based relationship with God. It's, it's living in a love-based relationship with God. Jesus came for this, right? Not just so that we could get heaven. Not just so that we could be sanctified. Remember, if, if we if we began to look like Jesus a little bit here on earth, but then we got to heaven and, and God wasn't there, what was the point, right? And, and, and so the, the point of the gospel, the goal of the gospel is God himself. Jesus came so that our relationship with God, our Father, our Abba, our Daddy, would be restored. That's, that's the goal of the gospel. Gospel is, is that we have been adopted by him. He has changed our birth records. And, and so Christianity is about that, is about the fact that Jesus came, that we might live in a love based relationship with God. It's not about rules. It's not religion. It's not external. It is internal. It is personal. It is from the inside out. It is about a love relationship with God. And so we begin there. We begin there. Now, we move down from there. Understanding that it's a love relationship, what does the Bible say about loving God? This is what it says. It says that loving God means obeying Him. Loving God means obeying Him, right? First uh, John 5.3 says this is love for God, to keep His commands. To keep His commands. Second John says this. Second John 1.6. And this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. And so he says, where does John get all this? Where does John, the apostle of love, who who used to be, you know, somebody that lacked love. He was a son of thunder. This is a guy that wants to call down fire from heaven uh, uh, upon uh, the Samaritans. And, and, And yet, how does he get this message? How can he know that loving God is keeping his commands? Well, he gets it from Jesus himself. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. You obey what I command directly from the lips of Jesus himself. And John passes that message on to us. This is love for God. It's keeping his commands. And so Christianity is about living in a love-based relationship with God. Loving God means obeying him. Now follow me then. The more that we obey God, the closer we are to him. The more that we obey God, the closer that we are to Him. If obeying is a symbol of love, then the more that we obey, the more that we're drawing into the heart of God. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. The the more that we walk intimately in fellowship with God, the more that we are going to talk to God and share our hearts with God. Friends, that's called prayer. 
And you say, well, 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 duh, why would why would effective prayer be found in obedience? Because you're spending more time with God, because you're walking closer to God. The closer you walk to God, the more you'll share with God, the more you share with God, the more effective it's going to be. Amen. You follow me? It's not that hard or complicated. And so we begin to follow these things. Now, here's the deal. You have to understand the opposite has has grave effects. Disobedience, according to the Bible, separates us from God disobedience actually separates us from God. The Bible teaches that disobedience, which, by the way, we call sin, separates us from God. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. To what? To my prayers. We're talking about effective prayer, right? Proverbs 28, 9. Get this, this is a tough one. It says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. It says, if you don't care about obeying my commands, then your prayers are detestable to me. God is saying that that word is a big one in the Hebrew. It means disgusting. That your prayers disgust me. They're an abomination unto me. Now, now I want to pause here just for a second because when I, when I hear the gravity of that, that makes me think, okay, wait a second. Then why Why pray? <laughs> Okay, why, why pray if that's okay? Now, here's the deal, because these, these two points, these two keys will go hand in. I, I, I want to make sure that you understand here. We have to pause and say this doesn't mean that God only answers prayers of perfect people. If that was the case, he'd only answer the prayers of Jesus, right? Okay, okay. Does not mean that he only answers the prayers of perfect people. But he, here's what I am saying very clearly. The Bible clearly paints a picture. It does say that sin separates us from God in a very real tangible way. I want to walk you through that, okay? So sin begins its separation when we're born, okay? And it breaks our relationship with God. Uh, you think about Adam and Eve, and, and, and sin separates you from God. If nothing's done about that separation and you die separated from God, we end up going to this really not fun place called hell. It's eternal. Uh, there's fire, weeping, gnashing of teeth. It is the absence of the presence of God. Though that God rules over that place, you cannot feel Him there, Okay? Though he reigns over it, you will not feel any of his goodness, any of his love, any of his mercy. You think about a world without any of that stuff and you say, that place is hell. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. And so sin, sin separates, it breaks our relationship with God initially. But God knew that he loved us so much that he did something to to bring us back into relationship with himself. And so he became one of us. God became man. God came to us. We, we, we're always worried about trying to get to God. That's not how it works. God always comes to us. So God comes to us. Jesus becomes flesh. He becomes man, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross in, in, in our place. His blood is shed. God accepts that shed blood as a sin payment for the sins of all people that would believe in Jesus Christ. Right? And so now we enter into a relationship with God again through Jesus we are adopted as sons and daughters. Now, hear me. Sin can never break that relationship of, of father to son or father to daughter. God will always be our father if we've truly trusted in Jesus. But let me tell you what it does do in a very real tangible way. Sin destroys our fellowship with God. See, sin breaks our fellowship, it breaks our intimacy, it breaks our closeness, it, it, it ruins our walk with God, if you will. That's another way to, to put it. It, 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 it. it ruins our closeness with God. That's what it does. We wonder 
God, why, why don't you hear me? Why are my prayers bouncing off the ceiling? You know, we wonder those things. You've got to start thinking about these things, which brings me just to the last point I want you to understand. Okay? I'm going to steal this from Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem, I've shared with you before. Really smart guy. Uh, systematic theologian. He actually wrote the book on systematic theology. I'd lie to you not. It's called Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. Uh, most people, that's, that's the book they have when they take the class. Really smart dude. And this is what he says. He says, more exact obedience will lead to increased effectiveness in, pa- in prayer. More exact obedience will lead to increased effectiveness in prayer. Uh, all things being equal, all things being equal, the person who is obedient will pray more effectively than the one who is not. All things being equal. That's heavy. That's, that, that's, that, that's pretty heavy. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so this obedience thing, it, it's a big deal. We pray more effectively when we walk in obedience to God's commands. Number two, second key this morning. <clears throat> we pray more effectively when we confess our sins on a regular basis. We pray more effectively when we confess our sins on a regular basis. Now, now this next one is, it's got like, this is the most blanks I've ever made you fill in with one sentence, okay? It's a big, long, it's, it's not really a run-on. It's just important, okay? So follow me here, this next one. Let's do this, okay? So, here we go. Because our effectiveness in prayer depends on our obedience, right? Because of that, because effective prayer depends on our obedience, okay? And because our obedience is never perfect... Because effectiveness of prayer depends on obedience and because our obedience is never perfect, confession of sin is necessary to restore our fellowship with God, right? Because disobedience breaks fellowship with God. If we're a child of God, it cannot ruin our relationship with God as far as him being our father, but it, but it hurts the intimacy, the closeness. We, we, we are separated from God, quote unquote, if you will. Um, there's sin in the way. We feel distance. Okay. And so confession is what breaks down that wall. Because we are never perfect in our obedience, confession of sin is necessary to restore our fellowship with God. And, and I already discussed with you guys the difference between a relationship and fellowship. And, and so here we're talking about fellowship, the daily walk with God, the intimacy, the closeness with God. And, and, and again, some people, I, you'd be amazed how many people come to me and they say, Pastor, I just, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I pray, I, I feel like God is is not listening to me. And I'm, I'm telling you, at the heart of most of that stuff lies confession. Lies confession. And I, I just kind of want to say to them, um, there's there's probably a reason. Um, and so we're, we're going to dig in. And, and, and here's, here's what I want you to understand. Confession, though, is not enough. So you think, well, confession, that's going to fix my fellowship with God. Actually, no, because confession is always tied to another word. And so follow me here. Here we go. We actually have to confess... And repent. Alright? We've got to confess and and repent of our sins. And, and, and you say, well, what's the difference? Um, I'll use two M words. Mouth and motive. That's the difference. Okay? Confession is something we do with our mouth. Okay? It, it, it's, it's, it's big boy, big girl stuff. Alright? I, I mean this. I'm going to say this. We've got kids in the room. That's fine. You've got to put on your, your, your big boy and your big girl underwear for, for real confession. Because real biblical confession involves naming and calling out your sins. It's not this pansy little, well, forgive me for day. I know that I failed. No, 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 no. Confession is God. I failed. And here's where. 
This is, I, I, I know what I've done unto you. You saw, I did it, you saw it, I'm going to confess it. it. It's not that little, oh, well, just forgive me, little blank. That's not confession. Right? When, when your children go and they do something, they do something that you explicitly have told them not to do, and then you say, you need to go apologize to your mother or to your father for that, and they go in the other room and go, well, I'm sorry. You know what I say? What are you sorry for? What are you sorry for? Well, you know, I'm sorry. And if they can't give me an answer, they're not sorry. Go back to your room and think about it. I don't care if it takes you the rest of the day, by golly. If you can't figure out how you have offended this family through your actions, then, then you have to go think about that. For You don't get to just come, oh, well, I'm sorry, forgive me. And this is how most Christians pray. We come before God and we waltz in and say, oh, well, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. But we never actually say what we're sorry for. That's not confession. And we wonder why we feel so distant from God. We're distant from God because we've never confessed our sins. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. So confession, the first half is about mouth. It is about naming that sin. I'll talk to you about it in a little bit because it is ugly. It is not fun. But, it, but it, it's personal. It's deep. It, it's naming sin. Now the second half of that repentance has to do with, with motive. Excuse me. Um, and, and, and when I say motive, repentance is about getting to the heart of the sin. It, it's about getting to the root cause of the sin. And then get this, when you get there, it's about killing it and then turning around and walking the other way. We just kind of think, well, repentance, I'm going this way, I'm going to turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before you turn, it's a squash and a stomp and a dig and rat poison and whatever else and TNT and everything else, atomic bomb, whatever you got to do. And then you go in the other direction. That's repentance. The Bible says that we are to put to death the misdeeds of our flesh. Put to death, friends, that's a big deal. That's what repentance really means. And so that means that we've got to, again, get to the heart of stuff. And it's not fun and it's not pretty. Last week we said, you know, it's God's will for your life that you avoid all kinds of sexual immorality. I can't help, but, you know, on Facebook, it's, it's out. The movie's about to come out, Fifty Shades of Grey, right? I thought about this. I was reading something this week. And, you know, I, I thought about men. Um, he, he, what's the root of, of your... Sexual immorality, if, if that's what we're going to talk about. What's the root cause of lust? Is it your eyes? For me, it goes deeper than that. It's a heart issue. It goes all the way back to how I, I initially began to think of women, which wasn't God's way, but it was the world's way. Okay? The world's way leads to death, disease, and divorce. But God's way leads to beauty. It leads to connectivity. It leads to, 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 to deep, intimate fellowship. Like stuff that I could never imagine. I look at my wife now and go, how could I have not loved you the way that I feel now? How could I not have done that, you know, 20 years ago when we first met? Like how it's taken so long to get to a point that I'm starting to understand what a gift she is unto me. And but but hear, hear me like when we confess our sin, we have to get to the root of that. And then you've got to blow that sucker up. You've, you, you've got to kill that thing and then you go the other way and you've got to. And for me, man, that means I, I've got to go back to parent stuff. I've got to I, I, I've got to get so deep into who I was and, and what that was for me and the crutch that that was. And ladies, same is true for you. You, you, you better get to the heart of it because I'm just telling you, you know what? You wouldn't love it if you walked into the kitchen and we were on the computer looking at pornography. That would really break your heart. Yet you climb into bed and you start reading some smutty romance novel where the guy on the cover doesn't have a shirt on, right? And you say, well, that's okay. It's the same thing. What's the source of it? 
Right? What's the source? What's the source of our need for gossip? What's the source of it? What's the root cause? Because I think the root cause is that somehow we think that in gossip we're going to be more well liked. So evidently we're not confident enough in our, our love for Jesus and his love for us that we are perfect and we're well liked and we're well loved just the way that we are. And so we've got to try to make other people like us. Friends, 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 you've got to get to the source of it. You've got to kill that thing. You've got to drop that atomic bomb and you've got to walk away. You just have to. We need to confess and repent of our sins. Okay? Let's continue on. I want you to see these things should be done daily at least. How often should I repent and confess at least daily? How often do you pray? Right. If you pray multiple times a day, you should probably be confessing your sin and repenting of your sin multiple times a day. I kind of like to think like when you mess up, like I know when it happened, I'm like, ah, other day. Listen, we were having a good day. Things were going well. Mama was away. I was doing stuff. She was helping a friend. You know, I was doing this little thing for mama. I was like, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be awesome. I do it. And everything was good right up until the end. And I started having to repeat myself and repeat myself and repeat myself. And, you know, we've got like four of the children, you know, that's 12 repeatings. You know, I mean, I felt like I was back at preteen camp. And all of a sudden I was just like, oh, dear goodness. And I, I, I lost it. I was like, yeah, it just came out of me, came out of me. And they looked at me and I was like, listen, I don't want to do this. Why do I have to yell to get your attention? Because I've asked you to do that same thing four times. But if I yell it, you do it like we can work together and figure this out. And I'm like, go get in the car, go into Walmart. I had to buy some dominoes so we could play Mexican train. Anyway, ah. Uh, so they get in the car and I'm walking out and the moment it came out, I was like, oh, God, forgive me. I had to go get in the car and look at my kids and go, I love you. I'm, you know what? That wasn't right. And daddy apologizes and I, I don't want to do that. And I even told him, I said, listen, I'm going to give you some authority in our house. Ready? If you hear me yelling, even though I'm yelling, you can tell me, hey, daddy, you're yelling. And it will not get you in trouble. Whew. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's confession. It's repentance, right? And 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 it's got to be. It's got to be daily. At least it's got to be daily. When when it happens, we need to confess it and repentance. Why? Because it affects our fellowship with God. Here's a, here's the last one. Here, um, confession should run deep and cover even the things that may have slipped your mind. How deep should confession go? As deep as possible. As deep as possible. Guys, we are sinners. Uh, at the core of who we are, we, our natural bent is that way. And if we're not walking in the Spirit, it gets ugly quick, doesn't it? I mean, if we are not walking in the Spirit, if we're not reading our Word and focus on Jesus, it does not take long, does it, before you find yourself going, wait a second, this is not the pasture, <laughs> right? I mean, you're like, ah, I took a wrong turn somewhere. And, and that's why I find this, I find this, um, because our depravity, because my depravity runs so deep, I find this, this little tiny piece of Scripture so helpful. It's right up here for you. Psalm 19.12. And this is a prayer from the Psalms. And this is it. This is, you think, well, it's not very huge, but it's profound. Ready? Uh, God, forgive my hidden faults. Whoo! Now, now listen, this is not, you still have to name it. 
Okay, confession is about thinking about my sin and I'm naming it and I'm calling it out and I'm, I'm calling this and that and that. But then you get to a point and you're like, oh, I'm sure there's something else. So what do you do? You're like, and then God, you know what? I know because I know who I am, because I know of how deep the sin thing runs in me, because I know my heart and I know my depravity. God, would you forgive the things way down there? Would you forgive my hidden faults? Would you forgive my hidden motives? Would you forgive the stuff that I forgot, God? Would you? And, and I'm telling you this is like uh, what did I write I, I was thinking about submarines this is literally uh, a depth charge kind of prayer you know what I'm saying I mean this is like I'm, I'm gonna drop this sucker off and it is go down to the depths of who I am and explode that stuff down there and and that's the kind of stuff we're talking about is is when we talk about confessions this deep kind of thing now some of you think you know what pastor that's just silly confession cannot really be that big of a deal it just, it, it just can't. There's no way that it can be that big of a deal. I want to show you something. We looked at this scripture, but I want to turn there together. Open your Bibles, James chapter 5. And, and I'm, I know that I, I haven't asked you to do that yet. We, I've thrown tons of scripture at you. You will probably have to go online this week and download the sermon notes and see all the scripture that we looked at because it's been a lot. James chapter 5. Um, we read verse 16 uh, or part of verse 16 on the screen. And so I want to share with you all of it in context. James chapter 5 and verse 16 Uh, it says this, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So so we we talk the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We're talking about effective prayer. But but that verse begins by saying confession. So, so that effectiveness begins in, in confession. Confession is key. And so let me give you some warnings and we'll get out of here. Number one, warn you. I warn you these things. Okay, confession is ugly. All right. Why? Because sin is ugly. I, I think we avoid it because of that. We don't like ugly things. We like pretty things. Sin is ugly. So confession is going to be ugly. It's painful. It's painful to admit what you have done. Right. When, when God's like, hey, I love you. I'm the giver of every good and perfect gift. God is like, here, I'm gracious. I'm here for you. And we're like, ah, so it's ugly and it's painful. It hurts. OK, and it's unnatural. Confessing sin is unnatural. Our nature, our sin nature says, no, hide the sin. Nobody will know. Nobody can see what's going on. I'm fine. I've got this. I can manage this, friend. You cannot manage sin. Either Jesus owns your sin or your sin owns you. That's it. That's it. Either Jesus owns your sin or your sin owns you. That's that. That's it. And, and, and so you've got to confess it. It's unnatural. Don't try to hide it. But I also want to tell you this, man. Confession is also powerful. Man, confession is powerful. You talk about a weight off of your shoulders. This is a weight off of your soul. When, when, when you feel empty, when you feel like God's not listening, when you feel like he's not there, when you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, I want to challenge you, go get alone and confess your sins unto God. And it's like, it's like the, 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 the great wall of China just fell in 10 seconds, right? It, it's like you're at Jericho and it's fortified and you walked around and said, God, forgive me for I'm a sinner. And all of a sudden you had free access, right? I mean, it's that kind of powerful thing. A confession is restoring in nature. I mean, it restores that fellowship. It opens up that channel of blessing back to God. And now you're communicating with him again. It brings great, deep healing. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So what do we do? Here's your application. and We can all go home. It's 933. 
you got Sunday school in just a few minutes. Application number one, confess and repent. Enough said, right? We've talked about it. Just do it. Confess and repent. Number two, obey. Number one was confess and repent. Number two is obey. I'm going to ask you a question, okay? It's not going to be a fun one. Here we go. Have your prayers seemed to have lost their power and their effectiveness? If so, that's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say it in love. Maybe the problem is not what you're praying or how you're praying. Maybe the problem is how you're living. Okay? Effective prayer comes from obedient people. That may be what's hindering you right there. All right? Number three. We've done those things. Just one last thing to do. (laughs) Pray. I should say pray effectively. But when you've done those things, you are praying effectively. Pray, pray, pray. All right? Guys, would you pray with me this morning?